0: Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm.
1: Thank you for listening to the Meritage Resort Podcast, coming to you from the beautiful Napa Valley. Season one, the Chardonnay Classic. And now your host, Ben Lazzarini. Take it, Ben.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Meritage Resort Podcast, series one, the Chardonnay Classic. I am your host, Ben Lazzarini, and we are delighted to have Master Sommelier Thomas Price and Master Sommelier Jay Fletcher join us today for Episode 2. Thomas and Jay, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Glad to have you. So let's kick things off and talk about the mission and structure of the SOM Foundation. So Thomas, what, what is the mission and structure of the SOM Foundation?
0: So the mission and structure, uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you um, for having us, Ben. The mission and structure of SOM Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit that exists to provide educational opportunities for everyone in the beverage business that wants to get better at their particular craft we do enrichment trips where we take people obviously those haven't been quite as much of a thing over the last couple of years um but but we do enrichment trips we're doing we're taking some people to Burgundy um pretty soon we just took a bunch of people to Paso Robles to get a, an immersion into the culture and uh wines of, of that area we do all kinds of scholarships that we fund um including uh BIPOC and gender equity scholarships, as well as um, just everyone who is in our industry has a chance to benefit. Basically, we have an application-based process for getting these enrichment trips or scholarships that are vetted by our team, trying to find the people who have some financial hurdles or ethnically might be a little disadvantaged or gender or all kinds of different sort of criteria that we have to try to make sure that the best candidates get to experience a level of wine education and immersion that they otherwise wouldn't have.
1: Got it. Jay, anything to add to that? Uh, basically, we we just help people in the industry. You know, we've had uh, great careers with, with wine in our lives and we've benefited greatly from the contacts and the people we've met. And so we try to help people because a lot of people think, you know, that A lot of these positions in restaurants and and wine bars and and tasting rooms, uh, they seem like they're somewhat of a dead end for these people. But in reality, with education and uh, experiences, we can help these people have really, really great lives. And the hospitality industry and the wine industry is really unique in the fact that we reach out to each other. We have a lot of fun. And there's so much you can learn just from the industry alone with communications, with Travel with geography, with climate—all um, these things relate to wine. And we just try to do good work. And over the years, we've given away a couple hundred thousand in in uh, in money scholarships every year. And we've, uh, you know, when we're when we're kicking, we you know, we do like 22, 23 different trips around the world. All uh, no expenses for these people that apply and and are receiving them. So we do good work and. We're happy, we're happy to do it.
2: Yeah. And speaking to the power of wine education and just the ability, um, to kind of chart your own course, I think your story's, uh, pretty inspirational. Can you just give like a, for the audience, like a quick overview of your background in this industry, how long you've been in it and how you actually got started and like what caught your eye about wine, like that moment where you're like, Hey, I want to, I'm going full send into wine now as a child, I, I kind of grew up from a, a
1: broken home. My parents were divorced, uh, remarried. I was uh, on my own on the street at 18 years old. I didn't spend much time in high school. I I was a pool player and I, I was junior state champion. I spent a lot of time shooting pool and not going to school. Um, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. I uh, I did whatever work I could. I got into the restaurant business at my first job at at 17 as a busboy. And then I was trained as a a bartender. And back in those days, you could tend bar when you're 18. So I learned a little bit about bars uh, and restaurants when I was young. And then um, it was later in life. um, Some years later, I actually hitchhiked to Aspen, Colorado in 1978 with $75 in a backpack and uh, did different things. I thought maybe I'd be a construction worker electrician, plumber. I worked at the lumber yard. I was a concrete guy. And then um, I ended up uh, playing pool again for a while and went a year without working. Finally busted out and ended up at a French restaurant. Here's the story start. So I'd never tasted a French wine in my life until I was in my early twenties. And uh, I worked at this uh, French restaurant called Charlemagne. And Charlemagne was a classic style of restaurant where we used gear down service and boned, uh, Dover soles and make steak tartare, you know, old school um, service. But there was a couple of guys there that really kind of took me under their wing and showed me correct service. But there was the first sommelier that I ever met there. now, of course, back then, you didn't call him a sommelier. You call him a wine steward or the wine guy or the whatever he was. He was the wine steward. And uh, here I am, 23, 24 years old, cleaning bathrooms, scrubbing floors, the lowest man in the totem pole in the whole restaurant. And uh, here's this guy that's wearing suits and not seem to be doing too much work. And I said, well, if I'm going to be in this business, because it seems like that's where I'm going to be, uh, let's do this. So I and I tasted for the first time in my life a Pellini Maroche from from Joseph Drouin. It just blew me away. And I guess I had a palate that I didn't understand at the time. But I uh, I started to uh, delve into wine because I wanted a better job and a better life for myself. So I started to uh, read books and uh, read service books and read wine books. And as it turned out, I had a better memory than I had thought. And I was probably a little smarter than I had thought and and ended up uh, just sucking up print and learning a lot of different things. I took a class for the Quartermaster Sommeliers in 1993. Never, I had never heard of the organization before. And I went with my friend Damon Aronowski to a class in Vail, and it just kind of enthralled us. And just it was just the greatest thing that I'd ever seen before. It was it was so fascinating. So I delved into it as hard as I could, and took the advanced exam a year later and passed it. And then uh, a year after that, I took the master's exam and just got crushed and beat down <laughs> like a dog. And I realized I needed a few more uh, layers there. And so I studied, and uh, you know, three years and. And three months after I took my intro exam, I became the 30th American to pass the master's exam, which was a, a great honor for me. And, uh, you know, it was something that said that I, I could actually do things, uh, even though I didn't believe that I could. So it really gave me some self-confidence. Um, after that, I, I did a lot of work uh, for the court of masters sommeliers. I was on the board of directors for 12 years. I became the chairman of the organization for three years, which is one of my great honors in life. We started the Psalm Foundation uh, about 15 years ago, which is again something I'm very proud of. We've helped so so many people over the years, but basically, wine has uh, has made me a world traveler, uh, has given me experiences beyond what I could ever have thought about. So for me, I try to mentor and help as many young people in the industry as possible, and also have a good time. And uh, I, you know, to me, it's a lot of fun. I. I love wine. I love talking about wine. I've I've done hundreds and hundreds of uh, of classes and lectures around the country, and it's just it, every day. It's just more and more enriching. So we want to help people, and uh, for me, it from what happened to me, I,
2: it inspires me to help younger people to improve their lives. Amazing, amazing story. I I don't know how anybody won't find that inspirational. And so that's kind of a perfect segue. Real quick before we jump into talking about the wines and the tastings and the things we have lined up for enthusiasts at the event you know we're going to be the patron foundations donating thirty thousand dollars to the Som foundation are there any specific enrichment programs um or trips that we know that that money is going to be going to be used for
0: uh i'll take this that's a great question you know for, for us we partner with so many Different entities in the wine business and, and our partnership with the Patron Foundation, which just started last year, has been just wonderful. Um, I think that, that that money is earmarked for sort of operating expense and then moving towards um, some of the other programs that we're going to do with uh, SOM Camp and Napa Valley later this year. Um, we're going to try to keep that money in uh, California for enrichment trips that are, that are based there. Um, we have, uh, some of our sponsors that we do some of our European things with. And again, it's a new sort of era for, for all of us as travel starts opening up again, you know, as Fletch mentioned, mentioned when we were kicking, we do 25 to 30 trips a year all over the place. Now we're just trying to building block this thing back up and and get get people out to the vineyards and get them out to the wineries and get their their life experiences and wine back for them.
1: You know, the thing Fantastic. is so we do a lot of these trips and there's not a lot of, you know, we are a nonprofit. So when we partner with these different organizations to do the trips, to go to Burgundy, to go to Paso, or to go to Psalm Camp in Napa, there's really very little left over for us. And there's a huge, huge amount of administrative work. We book all the airlines. We book all the hotels. We do all the transportation. We, you know, we work on all the meals and try to make everything as, as great as possible. Oftentimes we send one of our members on a trip to make sure that things go really, really smoothly and that we have you know, someone there uh, that, that can fix things if they, if they go awry. So, you know, we, we kind of run on a shoestring budget. So we really, really appreciate what the Patron Foundation has
2: done for us and continues to do for us as a partnership. Fantastic. So let's dive into the programming here for the weekend. Um, as we talked about in episode one, there's gonna be a Som Foundation panel-led tasting on each day of the Chardonnay Classic. So that's Friday, Saturday and sunday on friday the theme is going to be around the world with chardonnay so jay do you want to just kind of give the audience a glimpse of what they can expect to learn and taste and visually see in this tasting
1: well first of all chardonnay itself is arguably the greatest white grape in the world Um, you know if you look at if you know the the plantings around the world and the propagation of chardonnay around the world it's it's a grape that can be a chameleon in different ways and have different styles and different faces. But at the same time, it grows and adapts around the world. So on our first lecture, basically, we're going to um, show you uh, really beautiful pictures of of different wineries, uh, maps. Uh, We're going to hook up our SOM GEO, which is a global diagram that actually uses almost a Google Earth type image to zone in to show you where these different wineries are. So we're going to basically take a tour around the world. You can sit back in your in your chair. We're going to have 12 fantastic wines from 12 different climates and areas around the world. And we're going to have an expert panel of master sommeliers, masters of wines, and, and, and winemakers talk through these wines, talk about the nuances uh, of, of the different climatic conditions, talk about the different styles of winemaking and what they're doing there and just have a good time tasting these, you know, great wines from
2: around the world with a visual slideshow that that I think is going to be, you know, world class. Yeah, I mean, last year was breathtaking. Some of the landscapes we saw, it was just incredible from like South Africa down to New Zealand. It was it was stunning, just the diversity of terroir that um, these wines collectively represented. So on Saturday, the theme of the tasting is going to be retrospective. So Thomas, uh, tell the audience what they have to look forward to with that. Well, I mean, we're talking about um, three amazing
0: vintages of of a winery in Oregon um, called Grand Moraine that is... It takes, Oregon Chardonnay is is a very, very unique category right now, and it's the fastest growing category in the state of Oregon. I was astounded when I talked to Eugenia Keegan from Jackson Family Wines, who's our Oregon guru. She knows everything, does everything, runs the business, et cetera. There has not been a new Pinot Gris vine planted in Oregon in five years. And Oregon Pinot Gris is a thing, but from a Chardonnay perspective, all the growers, All the winemakers are super excited about it. So we're going to do three vintages, um, three different vintages of Grand Moraine. It's a very bright, crisp, fresh, I don't want to say Burgundian style because I really feel like Oregon wine has its own identity, but we're going to do a very cool vertical tasting of Oregon Chardonnay. I find these extremely useful because when you taste wine from the same vineyard, that's made by the same person in the same way. And they're all amazingly different. I think that's when the light bulb kind of can go
1: on for a lot of people as well. It isn't, isn't just about uh, Oregon shard, it's about older shards. So everything in the, in the tasting is going to be at least five years old and some 15 to 20 years old. So we have Chateau Montalena, a couple different vintages of that. We have the Grand Moraine, of course. We have some Lewin Prelude, some a couple different vintages of Maritana. Uh, some old uh, uh, Merceau, some um, you know, etc. So this is really a kind of a, a retrospect on how things age, how do the differences, how you know what are the fruit profiles as as they go from five to ten to fifteen, and having three from the same uh, winery is really great too because you can say that this is exactly the same thing. So again, this is going to be a great uh, you know fun tasting with a bunch of old and cool wines, and it should
2: be a really great lecture. Fantastic. Yeah. For those who attended the inaugural year, this is kind of a slant on the state of the vintage we did. Um, Whereas, you know, last year that was three vintages, the exact same vintages across three different producers. This is going to encompass a lot more producers and and tons more vintages. So it's going to be going a little bit, covering a little bit wider of a spectrum as far as the vintage is concerned. And then on Sunday is what we're crowning our grand finale. Uh, of the panel-led tastings, which is the classics of the new world and Burgundy. Jay, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, this is really our our showcase here. You know, we went and and sourced and and acquired what we think are the best examples of Chardonnay in the world. These are all expensive, high quality, uh, you know, wines that you might not ever taste. Uh, All, uh, from from different climates different soil types so this is one of those if you're a shard lover you're just going to sit there and go this is awesome just sitting there drinking those wines uh on a table would be a treat enough but you know to have the um the uh, the uh the panel go through the wines and talk about their experiences and their uh insights on these different things is really what makes it happen so it's really uh it's really going to be a great, great finish to the whole, to the whole thing we're, we're, you know, we have old champagnes. We have some of the classic and greatest wines of the new world and the old world, you know, all put together in one package. I think we have 12 wines here for the afternoon tasting. So it's it's it, they're all going to be um, world class in their own right but having them together in one in one
2: uh, group is gonna be over the top. Yeah, I remember when I looked at the final list of wines for this tasting, I was just like, wow, this is going to be stunning, <laughs> no doubt about it. Anyone who likes Chardonnay is gonna be just blown away by this tasting. And speaking about world-class wines and rare wines, uh, let's quickly talk about the behind the bottle tasting. So this is a repeat from last year. It's only happening on Friday uh in the evening after dinner uh and jay and thomas and their team have been kind enough to share with us some jewels from their cellar uh that all have i, th- I think most of them have over a decade of seller time on them um jay you can speak to him better than i can but uh yeah just walk us through what the uh attendees can expect from this experience but
1: well, this is more informal this is basically Thomas and, and, and myself and the rest of our team members from the sound foundation. We have Ashley Hausman, who's also a MW, who's a really fantastic speaker, but basically we open some really cool old wines and we sit around and drink and talk. So this is your, <laughs> your chance to ask us different questions about things, uh, anything that you want. We sit there and pop bottles. We have a uh, Gagal, Turk, Troplong Mondeau, Chapoutier, Pavillon, um, Paul Hobbs Beckstoff or Crane. We have uh J, Blanc de Blanc from the 96 Vintage Sandroni, uh, Barolo, uh, Williams, old Williams Williams Pinos. I mean, this is really a fun little event. And you know, Thomas and I we are pretty pretty casual fun guys, and we had a pretty <laughs> good time. When you say Thomas, that was pretty fun last time. I it's it's the
0: best. And I, I think that uh and I, I'm I I would imagine, Ben, that you guys got some really positive feedback on this particular segment of the, event. oh, yeah, it's a fun, oh, yeah, to hang around and taste and and to 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 Jay's point, we're not sitting here, this isn't panel stuff, we're sitting around going, wow, that Trop Long mondo is slamming right now wow I, I think it I think people really enjoy it because it's just showing us. Enjoying wine not from a thirty thousand foot level, but just as wine drinkers hanging out and having fun with with everybody,
2: yeah, totally. And I, if I can just, you know, speak to that <clears throat> different dynamic, it, it it's it's like being able to have a conversation with one of the best wine experts in the world while enjoying some of the rarest wine in the world and also using it as an opportunity not to just, you know, converse with them and learn more about the individual, but actually taste side by side without having the separation, you know, between you and the audience and them on stage. It's, it is, I'll, I'll say it was one of the best tastings I've ever been to in my entire life from both just a learning opportunity uh, in the fact that you essentially have open books with you with these master psalms and MWs, uh, but also the, the wines themselves were incredible, absolutely incredible. So uh, it was, it was, yeah. Incredible experience, and I can't wait to um, see what this one looks like um, come Friday evening. And just to reiterate, I know we talked about it in episode one, but that experience is going—it's not going to be ticketed by itself. It's going to be part of the weekend bundle. So, if you're on the fence as far as day pass versus weekend bundle, take it from me—you're going to want to get the weekend bundle. It's worth it just for this tasting. So, um, it's going to be fantastic anything else uh to add gentlemen as far as you know what folks can look forward to i know we only talked about the panel led tastings but you all attended the event last year you went to the grand tasting you got to go to some dinners i mean what do you think is kind of the big draw of this event from an enthusiast standpoint
0: i mean i'll i'll jump in on this i think the the big draw is just it's multifold, but the first thing about it to me is the chance to not only from the panel perspective, but just to kind of, for, for the guests to find out what style of Chardonnay they like, because even in the grand tasting, there's going to be super wide array. You know, Fletch mentioned it earlier. Chardonnay is the, the chameleon grape of the world. It tastes very different depending on where it's grown, who makes it and how it's made in the winery. And I think that this is one of the things that that the guests can take away. They're going to get three days to, to come away with this with some empirical knowledge, but also just some knowledge of what styles and what things they like personally. And I think that's not many sort of wine-focused festivals c- can offer that. I think people will walk away from this with a much clearer delineation of of stylistically what they like do they like bone dry chablis do they like big ripe you know 15 and a half percent california chardonnay something in between that that's one of the big positives to me
1: i think also like the event itself you know some of the you got to remember with if you get the package there's breakaway lunches breakaway dinners that they're intimate and the food is fantastic the resort itself is beautiful vineyards are right there uh, most all the events are right there on property you don't have to go anywhere and again these some of these great lunches and dinners they and they're small 20 30 people at a time sometimes uh, the grand tasting is super uh, again this is an all chardonnay there'll be red wines white wines different wines from around the world at the tasting uh, the food is great um, it's a beautiful setting it's going to be nice in the spring so it's just a you know fun fun weekend of good people we're not going to go over the top with these lectures they're more about having fun it's a great experience all in in all and we're really looking
2: forward to it awesome so for those who are looking to buy tickets two places you can go you can go to chardonnayclassic.com and click on there should be a ticketing link in the top right corner I believe or you can just go to ticket sauce which is the platform that's hosting all of our tickets as we talked about in the first episode if you just want to attend one of these paneled tastings those are for sale individually there's also day passes and there's also weekend passes and in fact we have um, a new option this year where you can literally just do one-stop shop for your rooms and the weekend passes i mean that's all hosted on the ticket sauce platform so so go right there And, you know, we have several more episodes lined up for you. I just, before we, you know, get into it, it's again, Thomas and Jay, thank you so much. It was incredible to hear what you had to think about this. Um, And I'm sure the audience is just can't wait to attend this event. So thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you okay and for the audience next episode we're going to be talking we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what the grand tasting entails what kind of wines are going to be there the producers and then we're also going to talk about the culinary experiences and the menus that you can look forward to the chardonnay classic so that episode is going to drop next wednesday join us again and until then thanks for listening i'm ben lazarini